0: Well, good evening. Um, good evening. <laughs> if, uh, if you are like me, um, you have probably never heard of a substance called Bittrex. Um, and if you have, I'm impressed. Um, I learned about a substance called Bittrex this past year, and it is scientifically proven to be the most bitter substance in the whole world that we know of so far. Not only that, the company that manufactures Bittrex actually holds the Guinness World Record for most bitter substance in the whole world. I didn't know that was a record you could hold, but they hold it. it's a weird record to hold, but it's actually pretty cool stuff. Uh, what it does is they put this chemical inside of, like, cleaning supplies and car chemicals and all these different things so that if a kid were to, were to try to drink some of it, it's so bitter that they physically have to reject it. Like, they, they spit it out. They can't swallow it. It's so bitter. They, they put it now in Tide Pods so that dummies don't go around eating Tide Pods anymore. <laughs> um, they, they say that you can put half a tablespoon of Bittrex into an Olympic-sized swimming pool, which has over 600,000 gallons of water, and if you were to stir up the water, it's still so bitter you couldn't even take a sip of the water. It is crazy how bitter this stuff is. And it's super obvious if it's in something that you're trying to drink. And I think there is kind of a social version of Bittrex. I think that we can pretty easily spot somebody who is bitter. Bitter people aren't fun to be around, so it's, uh, it's clear, just like if Bittrex is in a drink, if somebody has bitterness in their heart. A bitter person is someone who is angry and unhappy because they haven't let go of bad things that have happened in the past. And, and bitterness, it's not a unique experience, right? Anyone who has ever been slighted or frustrated or overlooked or passed over or has any emotions at all has experienced bitterness at some point or another, And so we know what it feels like. We know what it looks like. We can easily spot it in others, even if sometimes we don't spot it in ourselves. But it is easy to see in other people. Somebody makes a quick offhanded comment about someone else, and you might think to yourself, dang, they sound bitter, right? But most of us, all of us, have experienced bitterness. Most of us would describe this feeling pretty easily as well, right? Especially if you're bitter towards a certain person right? It's that hollow gut feeling you get when that person walks into a room or when they're being talked well of by other people. When we're bitter towards somebody, we hate hearing good news about that person. It's the skeptical attitude that you have about them, that about anything positive you hear in, in their life. You start a lot of sentences with phrases like, I hate dot, dot, dot. I hate that they just got that promotion, I hate that they just got that new job. It's so annoying that their family's always getting to take these vacations. And bitterness is this step beyond hurt, right? And it can really affect us in super significant ways, even if we don't realize it, even when we think we may have moved on from a situation that's made us bitter. Around this time last year, I had a procedure done on my back where they had to remove something near my spine, and so they removed it and they sewed me back up, but the cut, the cut in the stitches was just the surface, right? And that would heal relatively quickly, but I had a pretty substantial hole beneath the surface where this incision was made, and that would take a lot more time to heal, right? And it, it was super painful. It was in the middle of my back. I could never get comfortable. I had a hard time sleeping. I was pretty uncomfortable for about two weeks, and it felt like the, the more I noticed this spot, the more uncomfortable I felt, right? And I think bitterness is a lot like that. It comes with multiple levels of pain. Because on the outside, the incision could look like it was healing, but there's still a pretty substantial wound that needs to be healed. And bitterness is like that gap that doesn't heal under the initial cut. The outside may look fine now because you've convinced yourself that you've moved on, but the bitterness is still left unresolved. So as we continue to to go through this concept of bitterness, tonight we'll be talking about bitterness. (laughs) How do I rid myself of bitterness? What does God's word have to say about bitterness? So as we continue to to open this up, I want us to all start in the same place. And so we need to define the term, because bitterness can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. There are multiple levels of bitterness. There's extremes uh, that people feel towards it. And so here's how tonight we are going to define bitterness within the context of hurt, There are multiple ways we can experience bitterness, but tonight we're going to be talking about it within the context of it coming from hurt. And this is the definition we use, that bitterness is the result of hurt changing from an experience to a belief. Bitterness is the result of hurt changing from an experience to a belief. And now some of us can immediately resonate with what that feels like. Bitter people carry the same burdens that hurt people do only to a greater extent, and it becomes... This circular pattern, the more you dwell on what's been done to you, the more you replay the event that hurt you in your head, the more you think about the injustice you've suffered or the loss that you've incurred, the deeper the root of bitterness goes. For those of us who, are, who, who have experienced this bitterness recently or you've had something happen in the past that you know what this feeling is like, you know that carrying a load of bitterness is exhausting. Bitterness hardens your heart On the inside and your features on the outside. It dulls the good things about you and it can be contagious. You share this misery with other people and now you've infected somebody else with this bitterness. And so we're going to really dive into this tonight because I think it's so common that sometimes we even forget that it exists until we start to poke at it some. And so we're going to be opening up our Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. I'm going to be talking about how we rid ourselves of bitterness. The passage reads: it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are aware of every circumstance you are intimately involved in each of our lives, you know the hurts that we faced, but God, you sent your son so that we could live in a freedom so much greater. God, I pray that you will reveal truth to us tonight, that you will lead us into a greater love for you, and that, Lord, we will become more like you, in your name, amen. Amen. Now, clearly, um, I can't know what's going on in the whole room. Because in a room that size, there's a lot of situations that make bitterness incredibly unique. So because of that, I want us to look at this passage closely, though, because I think sometimes we think of the the hurt in our life as as very unique, and then if you have not experienced this same hurt, you cannot understand what it means to be rid of it. And in some ways, that's absolutely true. But it does not change the word of the text. Let's read it again. It says, let all Bitterness, rage, anger, slander be put away from you. Not some, all. And that's where things start to get really uncomfortable. So I know that that some of us have bitterness that runs really deep because the hurt we've experienced runs deep. So I'm not trying to make light of circumstances or to pretend that only the only types of bitterness that we can practically move on from are the light and the small things. These are things that happen to us in life and they cause very real pain and very real bitterness. But here's what we have to remember. As we pursue this tonight and as we pursue this, as we go beyond here, the goal of the Christian life is to be more like Jesus. And if we want to be like Jesus, then we have to be obedient to the commands. This is often the unsaid second half of of the Great Commission, right? Jesus tells us disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded. Right. And sometimes in an effort to push back against legalism, and we should, we should push against legalism, but sometimes in an effort to do so, we neglect the fact that we are commanded by Christ to spend our lives obeying his commands in a conscious effort to become more like him. So when it comes to bitterness, if I want to be more like Jesus and obedient to his commands, then somehow in the midst of my hurt and in the midst of my pain and in the midst of my bitterness, I have to learn to put it all away for the sake of being kind and compassionate and forgiving others as God in Christ forgave me. And this isn't easy, but it can become easier. So as we walk through this, don't misunderstand what I'm telling you is something easy to do because it's not. At least it doesn't start that way. But it is possible, and it can and it should become easier. But if it wasn't possible, Christ wouldn't have commanded it. So with that being said, let's unpack bitterness a little bit more. Where does bitterness come from? Where is this thing we experience coming from? We said earlier that bitterness is the result of hurt changing from an experience to a belief. And so, bitterness can be derived from a number of different things, but the thing we're gonna focus on tonight is bitterness as the result of hurt. And I would go as far as to say that I think this is the primary cause of bitterness. I I think of hurt as the taproot for bitterness because it's the place that most easily and accessibly stores the right combination of ingredients for bitterness to grow. And this type of hurt that I'm talking about occurs at every level. So I don't wanna minimize hurt, but I also don't wanna make it seem like small things can't cause just as much bitterness. Things like your boss being rude to you on your way into the office the other day. Somebody making a passive aggressive comment about the clothes that you wear. Not being invited to a social event that other people were invited to. These hurts from these may seem small, and so we move on from them relatively quickly, but if we don't address the roots of bitterness they leave behind, you'll soon realize as you evaluate your heart that there are weeds with roots of bitterness that have been growing undetected. And so this touches on small things too, but, but the hurt that causes bitterness isn't just small. And we know that, right? This is the most obvious thing, that, that big hurt causes big bitterness oftentimes. But the things, things like, like finding out your parents are getting a divorce or finding out that your spouse is having an affair, or getting snubbed for a promotion that you thought you had in the bag, this can cause a huge amount of bitterness. But these are the situations we deal with, and so there has to be a way to navigate them if Christ has given us the command to rid ourselves of it. And the reason that hurt can cause bitterness is because often our response to pain is to just get past it and we move quickly and when we when we move quickly out of things like hurt we often don't take the necessary time to process it with God often the goal is just quit feeling the hurt and move on and the reason we do this we just try to move on instead of processing with God is because we are naturally inclined to try to figure it out ourselves and until it becomes the habit of your life to bring everything to God it will remain difficult to process your hurt with God and you'll be needlessly pulling out roots of bitterness that never had to be planted in the first place. Think about the story of Job. How is it that time and time again, after Job faces affliction after affliction, whether he loses all of his possessions, he loses his kid, he faces disease after disease, Job cries out to God in anguish. He's frustrated. He asks God why this is happening to him, and yet it says that time and time again, in all of this, Job did not sin how is that true? And I think it's because the hurt he felt, he didn't go and run and complain to his friends about it. He didn't start making excuses for it. He didn't curse God for it. He didn't say, woe is me. My life is hard and nothing good ever happens to me. Instead, scripture says he took all of it and immediately took it to God for understanding and answers. Yes, he had frustrations, Yes, he had pain. Yes, he had questions. But that isn't the sin. What would have been sinful is for him to have taken those hurts, taken those frustrations, taken those questions, and then assumed that anything else can make them better or answer them more adequately than God could. But he took them to God to process them with God. And even in God's silence, Job praised him. And so in all of that, it says Job did not sin. And when we don't process our hurt with God, like that definition of bitterness says, it moves past an experience and it becomes a belief. And here's what that really means fleshed out, and we'll look at it in the example of the story of Job. If Job had not taken his pain and his frustrations to God, the pain and the hurt that he felt would have changed from something he experienced from God to something he believed about God. It would have changed from, God, why did you let me experience this? To God must be bad because what he's allowed me to endure is bad. You see how that changes? It went from this is my situation and my experience to this is now what I believe about the God who's allowed it. But Job knew knew that that wasn't true. And we know, for those of us who believe the words of Scripture, that this isn't true. I mean, Psalm 119, Paul even mentioned some of the passages this morning, gives some of the most profound passages about God's love for us and how it coincides with affliction and with hurt. Psalm 119, 67 and 68 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good and you do good. Teach me your ways. Verse 71 says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Verse 75 says, I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous and in faithfulness you afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort. When we don't process our hurt and our our afflictions with God, we miss out on the comfort that he provides us in the midst of it. And when we don't process our hurt with God, we realize what it is that he calls us to do with our hurt and how to act towards those that have hurt us. We start to grow these roots of bitterness in our hearts towards those who've hurt us. And this weight that comes from bitterness can be an exhausting weight to carry. And for anyone that has experienced this deep hurt and this deep bitterness caused by somebody else, it can feel like this pressure builds up inside of you. And it can lead us into other sins that it mentions like slander and gossip and disunity. And it can be so hard to relieve this pressure to continue uh, gross medical history stories uh, that I've already shared one of. (laughs) Has anyone, and a lot of us in here have gotten our wisdom teeth taken out. If you haven't, I'm about to scare all of you. Um, my, My wife Ashley had a friend get his wisdom teeth taken out when we were in college Um, and he went for this procedure, and everything was fine, right? They took them out and went fine. He came home to start his recovery process, except that he never started to recover. Instead, things got much, much worse, and he just thought to himself, wow, this pain that I'm feeling, this discomfort I'm feeling must just be part of the recovery process, and so he ignored it like any guy would, and so... The problem was he no longer could ignore it when it woke him up in the middle of the night and he was in so much pain he was throwing up and they had to take him to the emergency room. And the doctor looked in his mouth and opened up his stitches where, the, where they had done the procedure. And when he opened up the, the stitches, he saw that the dentist had sewed in a pack of gauze and left it inside of the spot where the tooth was. And he said that he pulled out over a foot of gauze from his mouth. But he said when he pulled it out, it was like the pressure being released from a balloon in his head. He said it was just, he said it just felt it all go away. But the problem was there was an infection in his jaw and had they left it for too much longer, they would have had to remove part of his jaw. And here's the thing. Hurt, when left undealt with, is like gauze being sewn up inside of a wound. You may have shut the wound, and you may have closed off your feelings, but hurt when left undealt with will fester and create an infection of bitterness in your heart that can be so difficult to remove. Anyone who has dealt with bitterness knows why Hebrews 12 refers to bitterness as a root. And anyone who's ever pulled a weed knows that if you don't pull a weed by the root, all it's going to do is keep growing back. If we don't deal with bitterness at the root, it'll continue to grow. So there has to be a way to deal with bitterness. We can probably now agree that hurt, when left undealt with, can turn to bitterness. Most of us have experienced this. Some of us may be willing to admit now that there is unresolved hurt and bitterness in our own lives, but what do we do now? How do we move on from bitterness? How do we rid ourselves of bitterness? And we see the answer here in our passage. Let's read it again. And verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This passage gives us the anecdote for how to rid ourselves of all bitterness, and it's probably the most Sunday school answer you could have imagined. It says, forgive each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And this sounds simple, but for any of us in here who have dealt with bitterness or dealt with hurt that has gone anything below the surface, we know that this sounds so much easier said than done. But Paul knows this. Jesus knows this. This is why he includes that last clause at the end that says, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Paul knows this isn't easy, and he knows that this isn't natural, and it would be easy to dismiss the answer to bitterness because it just doesn't seem feasible. It sounds nice, but it doesn't seem possible for those of us that have experienced deep hurt. My hurt is too deep. The thing they did was too wrong. There has to be another way for me to be set free than forgiveness. Paul says, look at Jesus there is no other way. See what it, he did to forgive you? You see what it cost him? One of my favorite explanations of the gospel comes from Tim Keller, where he says The gospel is that you and I are so sinful and bad that in order to be forgiven, Jesus had to die. And yet, at the very same time, we are so loved and desired by God that Jesus was glad to die. There is no other way. Forgiveness is at the core of the gospel. It's how we're made right with God. And when we look to what Christ did and how he forgave us, you see that the only way to remove bitterness is through forgiveness. When you and I look at the cross and we see what Jesus did and we see that he was spit on for us, that he was beaten for us, that he was crucified for us, all while we were still sinners... (laughs) We hadn't even asked for his forgiveness yet, and he did it. When we look at what Jesus did to reconcile us to the Father, it should move us to compassion, it should move us to kindness, and it should move us to forgiveness. That's why Paul says to look at Jesus. Look at what he did. If you want to know how to forgive others, you have no further to look than the cross. It doesn't matter how sinful you thought you were before, or how sinful the thing you think someone did to you measures up. All of our sin committed against an infinitely holy God put us at odds with him forever. You and I are so sinful and corrupted that Jesus had to die and yet so loved and desired by God that Jesus was glad to do it. And now let me give you a quick piece about how we actually follow through. That's the essence of why we forgive. We can look at the cross and see that as what Jesus did for us should should move us to compassion to forgive other people. But now I want to talk about how we actually follow through with this. Remember earlier we said that we typically neglect to mention uh, or to follow through with the second half of the Great Commission. One author calls this the Great Omission. It's Christ telling his disciples to do and to teach others to do all that he has commanded. And this is where we tie this right into forgiveness. Like we said a minute ago, Paul knows that this command to forgive is not natural for us. That's why he tells us to look at what Jesus did on the cross. It's how we forgive others. It's how how we're moved to compassion when we realize the depths of what we're forgiven. However, most of us still struggle with this. Most of us still have a forgiveness problem. We still have a hard time, even when looking at the cross, forgiving those around us. And I'll tell you why that is. We said earlier that the goal of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus. We do this by being with him, by spending time with him, and living our lives the way he lived his. Dallas Willard says in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, he says, We are saved by grace alone, but grace does not mean that sufficient strength and insight will automatically be infused into our being in the moment of need. A baseball player who expects to excel in his game without adequate exercise of his body is no more ridiculous than the Christian who hopes to be able to act in the manner of Christ when put to the test without the appropriate exercise in godly living. Here's what that means. You and I are not going to be able to act like Jesus without becoming like Jesus. And we cannot become like Jesus without constantly being with Jesus. We have to live the way that he lived. We have to follow the commands that he gave us. Of course we can't do this on our own strength. It's a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. However, for so many of us, we think that we'll just be infused with enough sufficient grace to handle the moment of need now that we're in Christ but that's not how it works. The strength that it takes to forgive someone who has deeply hurt you to prevent bitterness from growing roots inside of your heart only comes when we have been building habits of grace in our lives that make it to where Jesus, it becomes more natural for you to forgive like Jesus than to not. That's what it means to become like Jesus. That's what Jesus means when he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He means that when we live our lives as an intentional and conscious reflection of his own, as we're striving for Christ's likeness, it means that we live in such a way that it becomes more natural to act as he would than to not. Is this true in your life? Is it becoming more natural for you to act like Jesus? Are you growing in that direction? To do this, we have to participate in the life that Jesus lived. What Jesus was doing during all of the time between the big moments we read about Scripture, he was getting alone to pray. He was spending time in silence and in solitude. He was fasting. He was meditating on Scripture. He was obeying the law of God. And now for us, if we want to be like him, we have to be with him and do what he did. Hebrews tells us that Jesus grew in obedience. How much more should we have to grow in obedience? We have to do what he did. We have to live the life he lived and not simply hope on a wing and a prayer that we will be infused with enough grace to meet the need of the moment. If you are struggling with bitterness, if you are struggling with unforgiveness, this is your answer. This is how we are empowered to live by the Holy Spirit to remove roots of bitterness by forgiving those who hurt us just as in Christ God forgave us. When we spend time with Jesus, we become more like Jesus and it becomes more natural to do the things that Jesus did. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, the quest of our life is to be like you. Lord, to become more like your son. God, would you empower us this week that every day we wake up thinking, how can we become more like Christ? How can I spend more time with Jesus to become more like him? God, would you empower us this week by your Holy Spirit to live a life in a reflection of who you are so that we can do the things that you did, so that we can change our community, change our city, change our state, change our country, and change our world. Lord, we love you in your name. Amen.